Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. So much of our job is communications. It's not rocket science. We make sure that everyone understands what we're doing, what good looks like, and we measure if that's actually happening. And the more people speak the same language, track the same things, scalable concepts. So then the actual change, the how, right? That is the rocket science. How to have a company which is very old, century old, change their behaviors. Not just a marketing thing or sales thing, but supply, finance, data, everything has to change. This sounds like I read it in a textbook, but this is basically through trial and error. I've kind of learned this in the last decade. It's kind of the four steps for me that I first unconsciously, but now consciously apply. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Rachel, you have been on a tear of late. Every time I turn around, there's another press release whether it's a new innovation or it's a new acquisition, you guys are on fire. I can't even keep track of everything you guys are doing. It's a lot. Absolutely. This past calendar year of 2023 was probably will go down as the most pivotal year in Micmac's history where we fundamentally changed the entire business. And you've done it through a combination of organic and inorganic. Part of it has been through acquisition. So as you have thought through the acquisitions that you have done, how do you get the acquired organization to feel like they're a part of it, that they understand and that they have belief in the new leadership team or the expanded leadership team when it happens? Yeah. I mean, it's very hard. I don't think anyone ever says change management is easy. And for anyone who's ever done M&A, the saying that the real work starts after you close the deal is absolutely true. I think the big thing, so we made two acquisitions last year. One was a company based in Paris called Swaven, and the other was a global business, Channel Advisor, in which we did a carve out from Commerce Hub. And we picked up employees who were based in the US, the UK, Ireland, France, and Spain. And so 
what I can tell you with the the year behind us is the most important thing initially is for the collective employee base to understand the why, like really understand the acquisition thesis and create a space for them to ask questions because you want to ensure that nothing is unclear from there. I think the second thing is making it clear that things are going to change, like not pretending everything is going to continue as is. And the reality is you have distinct companies, unique cultures, and cultural differences all coming together, and you're defining a new way forward. And then it's constant check points up and down the totem pole to make sure that people are committed to the change. I might be too binary in some ways, but the way that I think about it is either on the boat or you're off the boat. And if you're off the boat, that's totally okay. But you want to get off the boat then pretty quickly because there's a bunch of people who are on the boat who we need rowing in the same direction. And so that's that's essentially been my journey over the last year. Interesting. There's a lot, so many parallels to the stuff that you've been doing and the stuff that so many of our guests have to go through, these global leaders of e-commerce who have to bring people along. And in some cases, it's kicking and screaming. And in other cases, it's uh, with arms wide open. But I think clarifying, here's what we're looking to achieve here. And you know, you're on the boat, you're off the boat, but also giving them reasons to believe. One of the things that Busman Kesterin has been so successful at doing at Sanofi over the past couple of years is defining what it means to be on the boat, mm-hmm. showing signs of success of what that means, admitting areas that didn't work as well, and then taking the things that have worked well and optimize the crap out of them. And the things that, and, and I think that's such a good sign of a good leader of setting the goal proving it out, admitting mistakes, optimizing, making sure that the goalposts continue to move, but to communicate as we get that through. Absolutely. Well, on that note, let's bring Bus onto the show. We are honored to have Bus von Kusseren, the global head of e-commerce at Sanofi. Did I get all of those pronunciations right? Because that's a lot. That was 99% perfect. You're almost a Dutch person. I, I, I think I said the Van Kesteren, but it's really Van Kesteren, correct? Van Kesteren, but I, I, I can work with Van Kesteren. It's okay. Okay, that's that. That's pretty good. You know, as a as, as somebody with such a simple name like Sarah, I don't appreciate the complexity of all of the uh, pronunciation. So thank you very much for bearing with me on this. No problem. You would think that we met just for the first time, except uh, me and us go back. We go back. <laughs> this is uh, an old school conversation just being brought to you live. So first of all, thank you so much for joining us. It's been hard to pin you down with all of your global travels. So thanks for finding the time for us. Thanks for having me. So wanted to kind of just kind of get into it. The different areas we really would love to dive into with you are A, the complexities of what it means to deal with leading a global team and leading with a combination of control and influence. Also want to talk a little bit about the unique elements specifically around the healthcare and OTC kind of a world and pharma. There's a lot of complexity when you start kind of diving a little bit deeper into that by country and how you can convince each market why e-commerce is important to them. And even if the one-to-one kind of different areas of dollar in, dollar out may not be as easy to track. What really goes into it? Yeah, let's go. I'm cool. Yeah. All right. You are cool. 
let's first start talking about the Sanofi company in and of itself. Because one of the big areas that we've seen in the press is promoting awareness of gut health, digestive wellness. And you guys have some brands that fit the bill on there. That's a hot topic, hot trend. How do you think about that through the lens, capitalizing on that, particularly from a commerce lens? It's a great question. This is one of the main reasons I joined this company, right? So because we're trying to really solve consumer needs, consumer needs that I find very important, where we're really solving health problems. And coming from beer and coming from dishwasher tablets, this feels like a bigger thing. And in this world where we're switching things to over-the-counter medicine, like gut health, but also allergy and pain, etc. It feels like we can do a lot for this category, really help people with real problems. So to your point, this conversation about gut health is becoming bigger and bigger and more relevant to more people. The cool thing about e-commerce is we can be more than just a sales channel. We can be more than just another option for people to buy their product. We can make this way more convenient. We can explain it better to people. And I think one of the cool things is also happening. We can like better react to people, right? There's an increased amount of conversations. We structurally measure this. We have tools, all the tools that my colleagues at other companies have, but we can really see the increase in conversation, the relevant terms, and we can react to that with proper solutions. And via conversion, we can not just see that we're doing well from a capitalist point of view, but also that we're really solving this problem and people come back to it. That's what excites me. Not just gut health, but all these categories. So you you have, it seems market tailwinds playing in the favor of Sanofi portfolio. Maybe not all categories are made equal, but there is this major market tailwind. One of the ways that you could probably capitalize on this tailwind is ensuring that you have the right organizational structure, because it also could get in the way. People can't figure out how to work together. And you have such an interesting dynamic that happens at Sanofi because the global headquarters is in France. Yet so much of the revenue performance sits in geographies like North America and Asia, and your team is all over the world. So how do you design an org structure, rules of engagement, a culture that allows people to work globally and locally to capitalize on these market tailwinds? So the first thing is indeed most money we make is not in Europe where we are based. It's very much in the Americas and Asia especially China, South Korea, Japan, and on the other side, Brazil, Mexico, US. So you were right. So how do you organize for that? There's multiple things there. First of all, I think you have to turn this org chart reliedness, if that's a word, right? People tend to look at org charts to make up what they have to do, they have to listen to. You have to turn it from that into giving people clear direction and a mission and things to measure on, where the org charts become less important and the results become really important. And that's what I try to drive. So wherever people are, whatever their roles are, I try to make sure there's clear direction and clear objectives that they all meet and we make sure we measure it. After that, of course, we do set clear direction on a sub-level, right? We kind of know what are the things in e-commerce that will drive the business most, which is the most important things to do. So we give that structure, we measure it, we give the right tools, we work together with the right partners. But the org charts, because of this direction and because of the structure, become less and less important. It's just making sure that the right people at the right direction sit in the right places. And then, in my case, it's still flying around a lot. Sorry, universe. I'll try to compensate for it and still try to make sure that everyone is in that direction. Did I answer your question there? Absolutely. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. As someone who is running a multinational company, I'm curious your perspective on time zones and overlapping work hours. I recently was in Paris with the Micmac team, and there was only three really core working hours where it overlapped with the North America business. And I'm just curious how you tackle that. So this is something no one of us have solved. We are almost permanently jet lagged, but you get better at that, right? Also, you have to find these overlapping moments. So we also have big businesses in Australia. So you kind of have to kind of make sure you cover the world all the way from Sydney and Brisbane all the way to Sao Paulo and Mexico City. So you find these overlapping moments, but also you just adjust and you make sure you you kind of peak in the right moments. And again, it's back to communications, giving clear direction. So you make sure that people know what to do, where to do it, even if you're not there to micromanage them. And I think that's also the type of people we hire, people that can handle this. They have direction and that you can kind of leave them alone, have them work autonomously, and then come into these overlapping moments to check if it's actually happening, right? And basically take out the extremes. From a lifestyle perspective, it's not the easiest lifestyle. We do have some product that we sell, like Unison to help one. It's something you get used to, you get better and better at over the years, right? But it's never easy. You never get truly used to it. I feel like I live my life balancing unison and coffee. Probably not the best combo, but you know what? It's a trick. So, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to work together on a number of initiatives specifically around influencing at a global level, particularly, obviously, as it relates to digital shelf and trying to create some sort of a common language, despite all of the different cultural differences. One of the things that word on the street is about you from your team is how good you are at establishing a level of common language in terms of what is within your ability to control when and where to ask for help. Are there any tips that you can share for others 
that are in a similar position to you that have to figure out how to speak different, maybe dialects of the same language, but still create a commonality around e-com. And to that end, anybody who's looking to influence at a more global level for things that are evolving at a faster speed than perhaps the rest of the organization, how do you go about doing that? So luckily this is a podcast, so you can see me blushing, right? But uh, thank you, and I'll try to live up to it. So there's two parts to this, right? First of all, you already said it, and what we've been working with you on, Sarah, this language piece, right? So much of our job is communications. It's not rocket science. We make sure that everyone understands what we're doing, what good looks like, and we measure if that's actually happening. And the more people speak the same language, track the same things, scalable concepts. So then the actual change. The how, right? That is the rocket science. How to have a company which is very old, century old, change their behaviors. Not just a marketing theory or sales thing, but supply, finance, data, everything has to change. This sounds like I read it in a textbook, but this is basically through trial and error. I've kind of learned this in the last decade. It's kind of the four steps for me that I first unconsciously, but now consciously applied. When I go into a new role in a new company, Step one is still, there's a theoretical part. I build a strategy and, you know, I work in spreadsheets. I get an idea of like, what's the best thing I can solve or what I do. So I have a clear way to go. But then step two is the key point. I think the one that most people get wrong and where people have the most hard time. I actually try to force two or three places where I actually did it. I turn things into action. And sometimes that may seem very red and very dominant, but I just know that if I don't just put it on PowerPoint or don't just talk about it, but I can actually tell them, hey, I actually did this thing in the US or did this thing in Mexico. You can actually see this. It works. No, there's an ROI in it. There's net sales coming from it. That makes all the other steps so much easier. Because step three is taking that thing that worked and also some things that didn't work right away, but taking the things that worked and scaling it across. That's where you go into sales mode. You say, hey, this is what I did. This is why I did it. I've proven it to you. Now we have to make it work for you. And the rest of it's just step four, which is kind of keeping on doing that and adding more things, making more decisions, but always starting with actually doing it and then going back in those steps, right? I think that's the clear thing. It's not just language. It's actually walking the talk and really making sure that in the beginning of a new role, a new job in a new company, you find the quickest path to actually launching something end-to-end and actually having something in your hands which is tangible and works. That's always helped me a lot. And that's what I sometimes miss a lot with other people, other companies. They're very good at other things that I'm not good at, but I think that's the main thing that's working well for me. I do love the four-step process. I think it speaks to actually a lot of business folks about that, but I like how you're putting some more tangible stuff behind it, particularly on step two, when you pick what are the two to three wins you're going to be putting on the board and then balancing them in step three with some wins, some learning, things like that. So obviously if it were easy, anyone would do it. So it's supposed to be hard. If you make it look super easy, then somebody might not necessarily be necessary. That all being said, as you get to identify those wins on the board, you've got to come up with, I don't know, memory stickers, something that becomes almost like your flagship. Is there an example that you feel comfortable sharing with us about that? I want to share as much as I can, right, for your audience, but I have to be a bit careful with certain things. Of course. Before I was doing these kind of jobs for these kind of big companies, I was in consulting for a while. So I had like the standard strategy consulting background and I still do apply it, right? So when I start, there's a clear framework. There's, in my case, eight pillars of growth. I kind of know what the to be looks like per country, per brand. And I do track versus that. That goes back to the language point. So I make sure before I begin, before I put it into action, 
people kind of know what I'm doing. It's just that just knowing what I'm doing and just communicating is not enough. It's only the moment when you've actually done it and you've basically by yourself got an entire country end to end to do it and show that it actually works, where basically steps three and four start happening. And if you skip that step two, it becomes a lot harder to do this and especially scale it across a geography with all these time problems we were talking about. Curious how your framework applies when new disruptive technologies enter the overall ecosystem. And obviously the the big elephant in the room for every business is AI. Sanofi operates often in regulated markets and geographies. And so how are you thinking about leveraging AI internally? So this is one of the hottest topics in this company, just like in any other company. But indeed, to your point, we have to be extra careful. The products we sell, you know, there's a whole protocol and a whole thing behind it because it basically touches consumer health rights. So we have to be very careful. But anyway, across these eight levers, which I can disclose, AI applies everywhere. So we can apply this to content creation, spending our media on a proper side, demand forecasting. All these things have a big AI angle to it. What we've basically done as a company, kind of back to my step two, We've identified three places, and I can give you one of them, where we're basically just going to do it. We're just going to apply it and see if it works, where it works, and then if it does, we're going to scale it up or iterate it until we can. So very close to your heart, Sarah, uh, we're going to try and, and AI generate PDPs for certain platforms, trying to see what AI can do with certain rules we give it. We can't just claim anything. We can't just auto-generate every title. But just basically with a certain output we get from the Amazons and the Coupangs of the world, what is the optimal PDP we can create? And the early results are very, very promising. There's still a lot of manual work in there, not just because of regulatory things, but also because of we have to be consistent on our brands. Uh, we have to make sure that certain language goes the right way. Even the algorithms that these platforms are still changing, right? So we have to make sure that whatever works for whatever algorithm is still the right thing created by the AI. But probably 60, 70, 80% of the whole value chain can almost be replaced by either an LLM or something that's already on the market, which is very interesting. And so in your mind, if 60% of the work becomes more automated, does that allow you to reduce headcount, remove vendors? Like, how do you think about it from a cost saving standpoint? He is not removing vendors. I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't a conversation we're having today. Boys and girls, we're all good. Thanks very much. All right. This has been an excellent episode. Thanks for listening. We'll take this offline. No. <laughs> this is e-commerce. It's a lot of the growth of a company like this. So we're still in the phase where we can reinvest into growth. The backlog, the long list of ideas is quite large. So I think in the short to mid future, while we are trying to test out this technology, uh, but the moment we get some bottom line gains, we have plenty of spaces to reinvest into. But if you want a future, future answer, we're going to go way outside of e-commerce. This is not like the first industrial revolution, right? We're going to go into a place where not all work is replaced by other work. No, there's going to be more efficient ways of doing the same thing. The good news is the consumer will win because of this. I'm convinced that this path of least resistance will be found and that will be to the benefit of the consumer. Uh, but as humankind, we have to solve the other part. So how do we create a system in which we can still make sure that uh, all of us have a healthy and happy and fulfilling life despite the whole role of work and the investment we can make uh, changing as we speak? This is probably a different podcast, by the way. We can do that in another call. Well, Bus, we have to ask you our famous last question, which is, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? So you pre-sent me this question, right? So I had a hard think about it. And uh, of course, the list was gigantic. No, no, I'm kidding. I'll keep this professional. 
what I did, I quit a very, very comfortable job at the largest retailer of the, the Benelux in the East Coast of the US almost 50 years ago to go into this world of e-commerce and digital. And I remember being laughed at by big manufacturers that now offer me jobs. And I couldn't even find a job. I started my own company as a solution. So I started a company because no one would offer me an e-commerce job at that time. I was already almost married then. I had a mortgage and everything, right? So I took a big leap of faith, listening to myself, who I am, but also what I thought the future would look like. And I've been happy I made that jump ever since, right? And I hope it will continue. Well, your entrepreneurial spirit is clear as well at Santa Fe. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you really want to see how quickly Santa Fe is evolving, we recorded an episode a little ways back with Jean Cien, who works with Bus every single day. And then if you want to think about global commerce and take it from a totally different angle and category, you can go listen to our friend Boris from Henkel. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, write a review, tell folks on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media? meaningful connections. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.